Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Our topic today is uh, one that Maybe of interest uh, on multiple levels for someone. You, when you hear the topic, you might approach it from from different angles. Uh, you may be among the many people who make donations to charitable organizations and, with proper record keeping, take tax deductions for doing that on your annual return. Uh, for others, you may be a volunteer who helps with uh, perhaps a not-for-profit organization in in your area. And finally, there are those of you who are interested or have already formed an entity that uh, you want to be tax-exempt. Uh, today we're going to discuss the process of, of forming that type of entity and, and see what needs to take place and what it means once it's established. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell with you again, and certainly glad to be here, and especially glad to welcome back to the podcast attorney Joshua Nesser. Joshua, uh, an associate at Lavelle Law, occasionally stops by here to help us with discussions about tax issues, and as that is our primary area of concentration for today, uh, we've, we've got the right guy with us. So, Josh, it's been a while. Thanks for taking the time to check in today. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks, Jim. So when, when we say an organization is, is tax-exempt, does that simply mean they're not obligated to pay taxes? Is, is, that, is that it, or is there more to it? Uh, well, basically, it's along those lines, and especially for our purposes, we'll be talking about entities that are exempt from income taxation at the federal level, um, and that is also respected by the state of Illinois. So basically companies or organizations that, at least in fulfilling their main purposes, do not pay state or federal income taxes on their income. Um, and there's some things that come along with that, or that might make it easier for them to get other exemptions, such as sales tax exemptions at the state level or certain property tax exemptions. But again, for our purposes, we're really talking about organizations that are exempt from paying income taxes. And when we talk about those organizations, are they, to be tax-exempt, are they exclusively not-for-profit organizations? That's a term we hear a lot. Is that what falls into this category? Yes, there's there's a variety of organizations that are Tax exempt, or that can qualify to be tax exempt. You always hear people talking about 501c3 organizations. That's kind of the broadest um, basis of tax exemptions, and those are really organizations that are that are operated for a charitable, some kind of benevolent, not-for-profit purpose. So, to to be a 501c3 tax exempt organization under the Internal Revenue Code, yes, you are going to be operated uh, in a not-for-profit way rather than it being a for-profit organization. And, and we'll dig into the specifics here, but I've I got one more question as I'm thinking about this, because when, when we hear tax-exempt, not-for-profit, profit and, and uh, charitable organizations, you know, I think we tend to think small, but these organizations could be things like, you know, well-known, highly regarded performing arts centers or universities. This isn't just small operators. No, not at all. Um, they they come in all, all shapes and sizes. Um, they can be, like you said, just small kind of performing arts centers. Um, churches are an obvious example of, of tax-exempt entities. But then there are major national fundraising organizations, um, all kinds of examples of, of enormous tax-exempt entities. And, and all right, so let's talk about how they get to that status. What, what does an organization need to do to be designated as tax-exempt? 
So the first thing you need to do is you need to start an organization. Um, you could operate that as what's called a sole proprietorship where basically you're just running a business under a business name other than your own name. What we would suggest our clients do, as with any business or organization, is to incorporate for liability protection purposes. So really the first step that we take our clients through in organizing a, a tax-exempt entity is incorporating a not-for-profit corporation with the Illinois Secretary of State. Um, once you have that in place and once you've kind of done the groundwork with the state to, to make sure everything's in line to be a tax-exempt not-for-profit agency, the next step and really the biggest step is applying for a tax exemption from the IRS, and that's done by completing and submitting a Form 1023 application for tax exemption, um, and that's a big process I'm sure we'll get into. And there's some other things that a lot of people forget along the way. To, to fundraise or to solicit funds in the state of Illinois as a not-for-profit agency, you need to register with the Illinois Attorney General, and if you don't do that, there's some penalties that you're exposing yourself to. A lot of people think once they get that tax exemption from the IRS, they're good to go. There's no, nothing else to worry about, but there are some other pieces to the puzzle other than just getting that main tax exemption from the IRS. Okay. So let's let's start there with the IRS. I think you referenced it as a, as a Form 10, 1023. Um, what's involved in that? Is that, uh, boy, I'll just give them name, address, and a quick recap, or is it a fairly complex uh, financial document? What goes into it? Like most things at the IRS, it's it's more complex. Obviously, you're going to give them kind of the basics, what your company is called, where you operate out of, who are your directors, those kind of things. But really what they're looking for is, one, kind of a detailed plan as to what, what your organization is going to do and why it fits within their tax-exempt criteria. Um, they want to make sure that you're not operating this agency as a way to personally profit. So while you may be able to pay yourself a salary for, for working for the agency, they want to make sure it's reasonable and you're not just using this as kind of your own shell to benefit mm -hmm. yourself, to benefit your family. Um, really, it's being held out for the public good. Uh, you mentioned financial information. They're also going to want to know if you've been operating for a while, maybe not as a tax-exempt organization. They're going to want to know what your financial history is, um, what your earnings have been like, what your money's been spent on, what kind of assets the company has. Um, if it's a new organization, they're going to want projections. How do you see this, this organization operating? Where is your money going to come from? How are you going to spend it? And how are you going to use donations or other sources of income, again, to, to benefit the public and to fulfill your tax-exempt purpose? Um, and they're going to basically want a plan of, of what's this going to look like? Why are you within our criteria of being exempt mm -hmm. from income taxation? Okay, so you've got me scribbling a bunch of notes here. I want to follow up on a few of those things. So, so first of all, you talked about initially working with a client to to initiate a business to to incorporate in the state. So, applying for tax exempt status with the IRS could be for an entirely new operation, or it could be for an existing organization that's already been around for some period of time. Doesn't matter either way. Yeah, a for profit organization could convert or pivot to a not for profit organization. Our suggestion, if possible, is always to start with a new entity just because starting with that blank slate is a little bit easier to, to kind of make sure everything's being done correctly rather than if, if you've made mistakes in the past or if there have been some um, things done that don't fit within that tax-exempt criteria. You kind of got to explain those to the IRS mm -hmm. and try to fix them and, and redo past mistakes. So if you can start with a blank slate, it's always easier, but either way is possible. Okay, and you, you mentioned, of course, that uh, with the IRS, things can be complex. I think the other thing we're, we know about the IRS is they don't always move quickly. 
um, once this application process gets started, what's the timeline like before you're going to get a response? So once you send in the application, you'll get kind of a generic response that says, we have received your application, and it's going to go one of two ways. If it's a, if, especially if it's a fairly, I guess, basic application, not a whole lot of questions raised by it, uh, they kind of fast track you and they say you should receive a response within 90 days saying your tax exemption has been approved. If it's more complicated or if there's questions, things they want more information about, they put you into a second category where you'll be assigned to an examiner within 180 days and they will follow up with you to ask for that additional information. So this is one of the biggest reasons we, we advise our clients to, to not try to do this on their own, to get an experienced attorney involved because the more the better and more correct and more information you provide up front, the quicker it's going to make the process, the less headaches are going to be, and, and the quicker you can get done with dealing with the IRS and go on to run your tax-exempt organization, which is really what you want to do. Right. Well, we're uh, in the realm of taxes today, which means we're fortunate to have with us uh, Lavelle Law Attorney Josh Nesser. Uh, our focus is on tax-exempt status for entities, and, and Josh was walking us through the initial process for securing that. Um, let me reference for you uh, a, a monthly report that uh, he publishes on IRS practice and procedure. You can find that at lavellelaw.com, along with some other articles that he and his uh, colleagues there have written a great collection for you to kind of go through if you're interested in any of these tax law areas. Um, as you were talking there about um, the application process and the, and the reliance on an experienced attorney, are there any red flags that the IRS is going to look for that uh, you really need to avoid to make sure this application gets through? Yeah, aside from the basics, which is just fitting into what their requirements are to be tax-exempt, um, what they're really looking for, like I said, is they want to make sure these organizations are not being operated in a way that is just going to benefit um, the the owners of the or not the owners but the directors of the organization the director's family members so um, if an organization is going to employ a director's child and pay them an above average salary that might be a red flag if an organization is going to pay one of the director's expenses and pay their living expenses and pay for them to travel all over the world that's a red flag so you, you just want to make sure that at the end of the day, the purpose of the organization, the sole purpose is to benefit the public, is to fulfill its tax-exempt purpose, whether that's uh, religious or educational or fundraising for certain other organizations. It's not to benefit private individuals, but to benefit the public as a whole. And anything that, that, that does not go to benefiting the public as a whole is going to raise some red flags or at, re at least raise some questions by the IRS. Yeah, and for those legitimate organizations who really do want to benefit um, those in need or any other circumstance, you know, as they go through this, at what point can they actually start accepting donations from people? Well, actually, the way the way the IRS sees that, as soon as you send in that application to be tax exempt, you can start operating as if you are tax exempt. Uh, meaning, you can, when you're soliciting funds or at requesting donations, you can tell potential donors that that you are applying to be a tax-exempt agency, organization, and anything they donate to you will be tax-exempt. Now, the problem is if six months later you find out you are not tax-exempt, that application is rejected, you have to go back to whoever's donated money to you and say, things have changed, that donation is no longer tax-exempt. So it's, it's a little bit of a gray area there. But technically, once you send that in, you can hold yourself out as being able to accept donations on a tax-exempt basis. 
And what about what about the view from the from the donor side? Uh, someone wants to give something to an organization of some sort. They assume because it appears to be charitable in some way that it's going to provide a tax exemption. How, how do we know as donors that when we give something that there is in fact a, a legitimate deduction available to us? One thing you can do is request from the organization proof that they are exempt from taxation. Uh, when, an, when an application is accepted, the IRS will send you a letter saying, congratulations, you are exempt from taxation under 501c3, um, and you can provide this to your donor. So it's always good to ask for that, but things can change. Um, a lot of times, not a lot of times, but certain organizations don't do everything they're supposed to do with the IRS as a tax-exempt organization, and that ex- ex- exemption can be revoked For instance, if they don't file the necessary returns for three straight years, they lose that exemption and all of a sudden donations to them are no longer tax exempt. Um, So what you can do in addition to requesting that information directly from the organization is go on the IRS's website and they have a tool where you can plug in some information about the organization, whether it's the organization's name, its address, those kind of things, and the IRS will let you know whether that organization is in fact exempt and whether you're donations to the organization will be deductible for tax purposes. So it's good to ask for that from the organization, but but always double-check it. Go to the IRS's website, um, plug in that information, and make sure that you are donating to an organization that's going to get you the benefit of the deduction you're looking for. And quickly, before I have to let you go here for time purposes, you mentioned earlier uh, a state-level type step as well. So once you get the IRS approval, does that does that cover you in, in Illinois, or is there anything else that needs to happen? That is sufficient for purposes of, of being exempt from Illinois income taxes, but still just to operate as as a charity, as a, a fundraising entity in Illinois, you have to be registered with the Attorney General to do that. Um, so if you, if you just go out and start soliciting donations, but you're not registered with the Attorney General, um, you're actually violating the law, and, and you can be subject to certain penalties and fines and all kinds of other things you don't want to deal with. So in addition to registering with the IRS, take that one last step, register with the Illinois Attorney General if you're going to be fundraising in the state, and that way you got all your bases covered and you know you're doing the right thing and, and you can avoid any of those headaches like extra fines. Well, as we've heard today, obviously there are issues that need to be addressed to make sure this gets done right and the assistance of a qualified attorney is the right place to look. So. Uh, We'll let Josh Nesser go from the podcast today, but you might want to follow up with him. Drop him a note at jnesser at lavellelaw.com or just check lavellelaw.com for any of the information we've talked about today. Uh, Josh, always available to share information with you. I appreciate him taking the time to be with us today. We'll look forward to having him join us again in the future. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 